Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio, I'm Valerie Bowling. So for those of us in pharma and biotech R&D, we know that the commitment to diversity and inclusion in clinical trials is the right thing to do for patients, the science and public health. Regulators and payers wanna make sure that clinical trials have diverse populations of people. And then this past April, the FDA issued a new draft guidance for developing plans to enroll more participants from underrepresented populations in the US into clinical trials, expanding on the agency's previous guidance for R&D to improve clinical trial diversity. But how do we get there and how do we make sure clinical trials are diverse and inclusive? So it is my pleasure to bring forward a podcast on the role of strategy and media in engaging diverse and inclusive clinical trial participants. My guests today are Justin Jones, Senior Director, Media and Content, and Gabby Grecken, Senior Director, Global Strategy from BBK Worldwide. So as experts in patient recruitment, we're going to discuss their thoughts on the role strategy and media can play in creating more diverse and inclusive clinical trials. Gabby and Justin, welcome. And I I thought we could start with, um, you know, what do we truly mean uh, by diversity and inclusion in clinical research? Hi, Val. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Hi, Val. Thank you. I think it's important to state right off the bat that race in and of itself is a very important driver of health inequities in general and specifically in clinical trials. It's also important to remember that there are other types of challenges to representation in trials, like gender, socioeconomic status, health literacy, disability. So we're always looking to get the widest possible scope to ensure that we're supporting trials that will improve treatment options for all of us. When we look at the FDA stats, there are still very dramatic gaps in representation. And I think people know this conceptually, but the numbers can be really alarming and disturbing when you actually hear the numbers. So just just to be very clear what the current status is, whites are currently 67% of the US population and 83% of those in clinical trials. Black and African-American patients are 14% of the US population, but only 5% of those in trials. And I think perhaps the most shocking stat from the FDA is that the Hispanic population represents 18% of the U.S. population, but only less than 1% of clinical trial representation. So that gives you an an idea of the scope and scale of the problem. I think from our perspective, a really strong guiding principle is that clinical trials should fundamentally reflect the population that will ultimately benefit from them. Absolutely. And we we clearly have a a lot of work to do to get there. Um, So how does research and strategy play in creating a more diverse and inclusion clinical trial environment? Yeah, I'm happy to speak to that. I think it's very important to remember that the problem itself manifests in two ways. First, there are the scientific shortcomings with data that's unrepresentative of the affected populations, which, you know, I think we just explained with some of those statistics. But there's also the perpetuation of health inequities by failing to ensure that diverse populations have access to those groundbreaking treatments. So it's both a scientific issue as well as a moral imperative. Um, And I think that reality has to ground any approach that that any sponsor or company is going to take as they embark on this work. I think it's also important to keep in in mind that on the one hand, you don't want populations to feel that they're being experimented on. And we certainly know that they're 
is an is a really notable and egregious history of this for many popul for, mm -hmm. for, for some populations. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you don't want them to feel excluded, as we know that women and, and minorities have historically been. So it's really about communicating what's at risk if they're not part of clinical research. And I think the challenge and the opportunity is for sponsors to be able to convey, you know, this isn't about being experimented on, this is about helping people like you within your community. So from a research and strategy perspective, it's essential that you know your audience. Who is it that has the disease? So at BBK, we conduct very extensive, very intense, in-depth upfront research on, for example, the incidence and the prevalence of every disease. So ethnically, geographically, racially, soci socioeconomically, all these levers that we know affect health outcomes. Sometimes there aren't correlations to these factors, in which case the goal is just representation that is at least equal to their percentage of the population. Again, referencing those stats that, that we started out with at the beginning. Sometimes a particular segment of the population is going to significantly be overrepresented with a condition or disease. And then, of course, it becomes exponentially more important to ensure that you're attracting substantive numbers from those particular subsets and those particular populations. So understanding the audience, what do they care about, how they feel, what motivates them. In order to do that, you have to speak to your audience. So interviews, focus groups, surveys, what do they care about? What has their experience been? What are they seeking? What barriers will sponsors need to overcome to convince patients to participate in a study? So is there a burdensome visit schedule? Are the site locations too far for convenient travel? Is there no convenient source of public transportation near the sites? Are there negative views of clinical trials within certain populations? Then it's important that you're acknowledging that you may need to differentiate those strategies based on those diverse needs. So it may be most effective to speak to part of your audience with particular motivations and selling points, and you may need to differentiate that messaging for your audience subsets. It's also about representation visually and content-wise in ad content. So the research has to be able to support what type of visual representation and content will we be seeking. And finally, I, I would just finish by saying that BBK has conducted surveys that show very clearly that patients want different supports from trials. Patients from all different backgrounds seek different things. The reality is that different things resonate with different people. So you can't expect a one-size-fits-all solution. I think the bottom line is that diverse audiences will require diverse solutions. What are some of the key considerations you evaluate as you initiate an enrollment or engagement campaign? Well, I think certainly it varies depending on the actual study that we're conducting. Again, there's a number of different um, factors that go into any type of recruitment campaign that we create. I think it really starts at the beginning, though, in terms of how much of diversity inclusion uh, is really being focused on uh, by the sponsor itself. What is their commitment to getting a fully diverse and inclusive enrollment group of people? And this really starts for us, we believe, at the very beginning of a trial. I think even if you go back to something five or 10 years ago, uh, diversity and inclusiveness was looked at as a nice to have uh, and not a need to have. But however, in terms of when they start to plan these studies, uh, we're not necessarily seeing that commitment happen at the beginning. It almost becomes this kind of tacked on aspect that needs to be considered after the study's already been planned and they've started to create uh, their protocol. So we really think this, in terms of the planning for all of this, needs to happen as soon as possible in the process. And that comes down to not only the types of audiences that you're looking to attract, but also a number of other factors that are going to be related to getting those diverse audiences, such as 
Where are your sites located? Who are the types of doctors who are going to be within that community to try to attract uh, that, those particular audiences? Looking at the protocol, do we understand if it's going to be a difficult enrollment? Will be burdensome both on the patients and sites, and therefore, what kind of factors do we have to start to create and tactics we need to create to help mitigate that and reduce those barriers uh, to enrollment? So there's a number of key different things that varies from study to study that we need to be considering in the back of our heads when we start to think about how we're going to enroll uh, these studies effectively. Uh, thank you, Justin. So, Justin, you know, from a media perspective. How do you plan and execute an effective outreach campaign that both engages and motivates diverse audiences? I think Gabby touched on it earlier, and it's really trying to be, to use the same term and phrase, as diverse as possible, not only in terms of the tactics that we're going to be going out with, but also the types of messaging that are going to resonate with those audiences. Uh, if we think just, let's say, from a socioeconomic perspective, if we're thinking about the fact that in order to get those types of people to be part of a study that could potentially be very intensive, it's gonna require them to take some time off of work. And some people can afford that and some people certainly cannot. And so what are things that we can put into place from a messaging perspective that would help mitigate some of those potential barriers in the, in the, mm. in the minds of potential participants who say, mm, this, I'd like to be a part of this, but it seems like too much. I, I don't know if I'll be able to drive myself back and forth to all these visits. I don't know if I'll be able to you know, find a place to stay near the site if it's gonna be over several days. So. There's certain pieces of information that we need to be including within that type of outreach lets them know, listen, this major concerns that your particular group has, has been mitigated at the highest levels. And not only that, but the reason it's there is because the sponsor is fully committed to making sure that you have uh, as pleasant a time as possible in this study to make sure that you can fo truly focus on getting yourself better through clinical research. Okay, thank, thank you. I appreciate your thoughts there. So if there were three things that um, you think uh, clinical trial sponsors should focus on in their effort to engage more diverse and inclusive audiences, you know, what would they be? Gabby, can we start with you? It's, uh, it's hard to, to try to limit it to three, but I think if we did have to limit it to three, <laughs> um, I think first up, just to reiterate what Justin was just alluding to, which is that it has to be considered in the upfront planning stages. It can't be an afterthought at the back end. Um, you can't do business as usual and then somehow miraculously expect that you're going to attract a perfectly diverse um, patient population. What we know from experience is that it doesn't happen without the intentionality, and the intentionality requires that upfront planning. So I think that, as Justin said, the location of sites has to be considered. I think you need to think about how much education everyone involved is going to need to overcome the potential barriers and the mistrust, how much research will be required into identifying what the challenges are that, that you're going to want to be overcoming. Um, certainly, you want to understand, you know, if you're going to need different languages, if you're going to need cultural adaptation to your, to your materials and your ads. Um, and, and you're going to just want to be thinking about all of this up front. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot harder and cost more and take more time um, if, it, if it becomes a problem you're trying to fix at the back end. So I think probably one of the most important messages that sponsors and, and, and industry players can, can hear is that they just have to be ready for this level of commitment and plan for it ahead of time. I think... The second thing is a diversified outreach strategy, which is really key to improving DEI in clinical trials. As Justin was saying, you have to have a variety of tactics to reach a variety of audiences. 
you really need a broader and more customized set of resources and approaches, both from an education and an outreach perspective. You can't speak with one voice. Um, Justin, is there anything you would add to that? I was going to say, you took a bunch of mine, but there's certainly one I just want to jump in there with. First of all, I just want to reiterate what she was talking about, this idea of um, we can't do things the same way we used to be able to do it. Uh, and that really, it's it's a hard new way of thinking from a sponsor perspective. It's always get it done faster, quicker, better, cheaper. Um, but again, when you try to go after these diverse audiences, um, that's not always necessarily going to be the case. It does cost more to find people who are otherwise not that essentially the low hanging fruit of people who would naturally be attracted to clinical trials. I will say from a marketing perspective and, and reaching out to these people with outreach, um, it's actually it's never been a more fruitful time to reach out to people, uh, via especially digital platforms. Again, there's there's so many out there that's shareable content. Um, we're able to target uh, much more effectively than, if, if you say, 30 years ago. Broadcast TV, billboards, things like that. So you have a lot more avenues to try to reach these people. But at the same time, our attention spans have shrunk. So typically, when you put an advertisement in front of someone, on average, you have about two seconds to get their attention and to get them to act. And that can be really difficult, uh, you know, in today's day and age of, you know, more information faster. So creating compelling creative that kind of stops people in their tracks and makes them want to look at it and read and understand and know that this is for them is the biggest challenge that we here at BBK face. Uh, and that's something that we always keep in mind when um, developing any type of advertising campaign. It's there's this very, there's a, there's a, uh, the idea in clinical research to kind of play it safe. Give me something that worked in the past. Uh, and then you always hear, but also give me something innovative. And those two things don't often meet. So making sure that we're able to push our creative approach in ways that traditional pharma may not necessarily be comfortable with just as, you know, in terms of what they're used to, but in fact has been IRB approved and has been proven to work in, in the past is something that we strive for because we believe that ultimately the right message with the right image uh, is ultimately what's going to help people learn more about the study and ultimately determine if they want to be a part of it. The other thing I just want to talk about quickly here that is also uh, a big issue for us is, again, there is this focus on diversity and inclusion, but at what cost? Um, so typically there's timelines associated with these studies in order they have to enroll X amount of patients by a Y date. Uh, and as those dates become closer and more and more patients are needed as that date you know, creeps closer, how much do we need to be focusing on those diverse audiences uh, in order to ultimately hit the number of patients that are needed for a protocol? So that becomes a balancing act of working with the client to make sure that um, we're not overly sacrificing diversity and inclusion uh, in order to actually hit some some um, some current timeline that needs to be hit at an exact time. So it's always a balancing act with us in terms of how we're gonna try to get as many people in as possible, but also understand that sometimes uh, we need to do back off that and go towards more traditional advertising. Mm. So to reiterate where we were, I, I think the first thing that's really critical for sponsors was that upfront planning stage. The second thing is Justin was just elaborating on is that diversified outreach strategy and I think the third thing that's really critical for sponsors, especially where we are at this precise moment in time, are hybrid approaches. And what we know is that, again, in line with what we've been saying about diversifying approaches in order to get diverse audiences, that's particularly important when you're trying to increase access of underserved populations. So hybrid approaches to clinical trials are really about increasing access. It makes it easier for all populations to participate. It can help with travel. It can help um, um, people who, who don't have readily available access to cash to pay up front. 
um, telemedicine, home services, all of these different types of supports that can be provided to lessen the burden on patients um, is appealing and attractive to everybody, but particularly can make the difference between the, the ability for some people to participate or not participate. Things like getting reimbursement, travel assistance. Again, our surveys reveal that these are the most requested and appealing amongst all racial backgrounds. That really transcends audiences. So even though these strategies are specifically effective with attracting um, and enabling and equipping underserved populations to participate, they're also attractive to everyone. Gabby and Justin, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Val. For more information, please visit the BBK website at bbkworldwide.com and click on the link for the Clinical Trial Access for All Resource Center. Thanks, everyone, and we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.